Hey guys, welcome to the Drama Club. On this week's episode, we start off by discussing surviving Cardi B, and then May tells us the dramatic story of David Letterman. Stay tuned. What up, fam? What up, fam? Feels good, right? Feels good, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it do. Yeah. And without further ado, we broadcasting live from CA to NY. Yeah, I heard it in Spin, and I was like, "Damn, Hector, what song is that?" And he was like, "That's Selena Gomez." Like he was like offended. I was like, "Oh that shit!" Is so funny. <laughs> uh, I always find new music like at workout classes. Yeah, because yeah. they be that's their job. They be like checking for that shit. Yeah, pump it up. <laughs> All right. Did you listen to the Snoop episode? Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's really funny. We're feeling like extra gangster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we from the streets. <laughs> what streets? <laughs> Foothill, baby. <laughs> Baseline. <laughs> oh, we got a package. That was cool. Oh, yeah, we got a package. Uh, when do you want to open it? Like when we go to Dita? Yeah, so let's. So we got a package from our listener and friend Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's asked us to do a video of us opening it. Yeah. So May's actually gonna leave the U.S. Yeah, I'm gone. You know, I'm international. May's going to Bali, mm-hmm. so we can't do it for a while. But we're excited, and we're gonna open. We're it so excited! It's so crazy to me to have like a package just sitting there, like and not knowing what's inside. Like I keep, <laughs> like I keep looking at it. <laughs> is it ticking uh, no, scared. <laughs> it says fragile though so i was like oh Ooh, like my heart fragile <laughs> yeah so we're excited so thank you jazz we love you so coming soon you guys might get a video of us opening a present yeah <laughs> i can't wait all right so hi everybody my name is may and my name is stephanie and we are the drama club yes the package came addressed to El Drama Club. Oh, that's <laughs> this <awesome>. is hilarious. <laughs> El Club de Drama. We are your weekly gab fest all about celebrity drama, scandals, packages, infamous things, international trips, <laughs> reality stars. Yeah, we do we do a little bit of everything. We're your we're your source for entertainment news kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Cuz sometimes we're we like... just we talk about ourselves a lot too though. Yeah, that be happening. <laughs> I don't know if these uh, headphones suck or if I'm going deaf. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just turn up the volume. Yeah. No, it's all the way up. That's oh, shit. Yeah. That's I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm going deaf. <laughs> <laughs> your girl's losing it, guys. R.I.P. your that, girl. That's age, yo. <laughs> <laughs> also, my back hurts. <laughs> and somebody left the light on. I was going to do one of those tweets that's like, nobody dads who turned on this light or that's so funny <laughs> stop slamming the door <laughs> you're like sitting there watching tv uh when we hung out with your brother and lisa i was like vic was talking about how he's getting oh, old yeah. or something and then i was yeah. like do you check the temperature and he was like, <laughs> like yes, yes. <laughs> adjusted the thermostat and shit yeah the th- once you hit the thermostat adjustment uh, age you're washed yeah yeah like for 1, sure. percent washed. for sure that's like that's the test that they do at the doctor's office to verify it like this sir <laughs> I- i'm afraid to tell you you're washed 
Diagnosis washed. <laughs> Treatment options? None. Com- comfy socks. <laughs> Froyo. Uh, yeah. Uh, pants with elastic. Yeah. <laughs> My dad does wear those. <laughs> Hall called him Tony Soprano the other day because he was wearing like some weird looking tracksuit. Doesn't Tony Soprano have a tennis court too? Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. no he no? got a pool. Oh, he has a pool. Yeah, I haven't seen the Sopranos in. It, I was dying one day. I can't remember who it was that called you Meadow Soprano on our. Oh yeah, on our that Instagram. was crazy. That was so funny because you was in like, that picture you did look like her. Though. I was like, damn, I wish I looked like her. Shit. <laughs> Didn't she used to date one of the uh, uh, entourage, entourage guys? guys? Yeah, yeah. She dated Jerry Ferreira for oh. a little bit. When he was, was fat or when he was skinny? When he was chubby. Oh, he was like losing weight when he dated her. Okay, I know she glowed him up and then he moved on. What a dick. Uh, I know. I hate that. I hate that too. We've all been there, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Hit us up. <laughs> Hit us up. We gotta have a show called Fix Her Up or All About That. <laughs> Ex-boyfriends that we fixed that up. That we or... glowed up. Yep. That we flipped and flopped. <laughs> All of my ex-boyfriends were flops. <laughs> okay. So this week, the big drama happening is about Cardi B. This old <sighs> video resurfaced of her saying... She's talking about people talking shit about her music and saying that she didn't do anything to deserve it and she's not a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm a hard worker. I hate when people say I'm a hard worker. This is obviously not the language that she used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's and- a lot of naranjas. <laughs> yeah. And also, I want to point out that she's like getting a little choked up. Like She's getting a little emotional when she's talking, which is off-brand for Cardi. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that, I guess. And then she said... Um, I did what I had to do to make it like I worked really hard and that she would drug men and steal from them mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, do what she had to do. So obviously that's awful. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's terrible. like the most terrible thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Horrendous. It wouldn't be okay if a man said that. It's not okay if a woman says that. Right. Like not- I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying that that's okay, but there is a double standard that she's trying to point out. Where like that men like gangster men glorify murder. So then yeah. she said a state. She had issued mm-hmm. a statement. Obviously, everything blew up, and she issued a statement saying that she's a part of this rap culture where you glorify things like that, mm-hmm. like murder and robbing and doing what you have to do at the expense of others. Yeah, like Jay Z and the what, what is it, forty two bricks or whatever? <laughs> he lost forty two bricks. Yeah, notorious being the ten crack commandments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and literally every rapper with everything. Rick Ross all the time. All he talks about is how he used to deal. And then everybody, it's not even a thing. People don't even process it. They just, you know, they don't even consider it. Whereas she talked about it as a woman and now it's like a whole thing. But the thing is, okay, well, I don't want to defend anybody. Honestly, they're both wrong. Don't do that shit. Yes, Don't glorify it at all. Yeah. But is it different because it's in a song? Like they're, you know... Oh, and like she's they could actually, be. She's posting a video saying that she right, did right. this. I guess they're that's... saying it in a song where it's more like fantasy. I don't know. Either way is bad. But... Yeah, either way is bad. Totally, but I I get what you're saying. Like it's you take it into consideration that this could be a character that they're playing, whereas she's for sure not a character. Yeah, like Rick Ross used to be like a, not an officer, but like a Cor- a corrections, like a yeah, he uh, was a, a corrections pres- officer, yeah. right? 
Yeah, like, and everybody knows that. So, like, I think when I listen to him, I know he didn't do that shit. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he did. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> those those motherfuckers are corrupt, too. They get away with anything. Hey, too. if you a corrections officer, you listen to this show, hit us yeah, up. Hit us up. Dramaclubpod.com. <laughs> 505-5390. Tell us all the drama. We want to listen to your shit. <laughs> so, yeah, she issued that statement. This all happened, like, in the last two days. Yeah. So the internet's still really mad. There's a hashtag surviving Cardi B. Yeah. And today, so I was looking this up to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then to, on World Star, there's another video that oh, surfaced no. of her saying really awful things like, if my man gets me mad, so it's her driving. Uh-huh. These old videos of Cardi are so funny too. Yeah. Because that's how like she became famous. Yeah, really. right. She's like, if my man makes me mad, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to get him all perked up. I'm going to tell him, baby, let's have a threesome. He's going to be all drunk. And in the morning, wow. What she says is, it's going to have been with a tranny. So I'll be like, uh, yeah, you liked when a tranny sucked your dick. And yeah, yeah. You like that, all this shit. I, I remember that, actually. I don't remember that one. Yeah. So now the internet's mad at about that one too it's just gonna more and more just right. gonna come out yeah right yeah uh, i i mean with with that one i don't i don't like that she's using that language i don't like no. that, that she thinks that way but uh with that one i'm kind of like well that's just that's just cardi being cardi like she's just talking shit yeah i guess i don't know i don't i think it, it's awful yeah yeah uh i mean i hope she can I don't I kind of don't like her her apology or her faux apology. It's not an apology. She's not apologizing. No, it wasn't for an it. apology. She was like saying basically don't be so hard on me. Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. I think that she she could maybe move past this if she comes out with like a real I'm sorry and these are the reasons why and the same um, kind of thing like with uh, Kevin Hart, right? Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you did these you said these fucked up things, fucking apologize. Like Yeah, exactly. And nobody's going to like I mean, you can't hold that against them if you're apologizing then and it seems sincere then. Okay. Yeah. And then maybe say something like, "Oh, and I'm starting a charity or I'm throwing money at these charities that help women who are on the streets and have to hustle for, you know, whatever." To make it, yeah. Yeah, because it is hard for them. Of course, it is, especially women who dance too, and they're taken advantage of in so many ways. Like mm-hmm. she's at a perfect position where she could really reach out to that community where no one else does. Yeah, exactly. And I think that if Cardi has a good PR team in place, which I'm sure she does, I don't know, May. Did you see the video of her sister popping off that went viral this week on Twitter? No, at who? Hennessy. Her sister's fucking ghetto. Yeah, she is. But Cardi's who is fucking she... ghetto too. Who is she popping she... off at? I guess she's on like some fucking VH1 or MTV show where she was going to be on one. Uh And like, so it's like a video of them in production and all these people are waiting for Hennessy. Yeah. Who is like hours late. And then finally she gets there and the production team is like, hey, can you take off your sunglasses? Like we want to start recording. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I'm not taking off my sunglasses. You guys aren't going to let me look like shit on national television and all this shit. So then somebody else that's on the show is like, 
you're fucking rude like he calls her out it's some uh-huh. white boy yeah and she's like don't be talking to me like she starts popping off on him and he's like no you're fucking rude we've all been waiting for you and now you're fucking late and now you're like holding up this shit and she just starts going fucking crazy oh, on him no and she's like you got me fucked up like da 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 don't be talking to me like that you, you're fucking crazy and he's like really i'm crazy you look fucking ridiculous and she like fucking storms out and she's like get me off this fucking show oh no so i don't know if she got taken off that show or what it was really weird Ugh, maybe maybe not because you know whatever show she's on you know she's gonna bring the drama based on that yeah so they want her yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially if she's already getting people mad there, there's this really funny i don't know if they were if cardi and hennessy were at like uh uh, a show like a talk show or something and hennessy brings up like uh when they were kids not kids but like they hennessy must have been like 15 or 16 or something and huh. she asked cardi to borrow her nice purse it was like a brand name let's say it was a louis or something and uh-huh. and like she she let cardi let her borrow it and then hennessy i guess lost it <laughs> oh hell no oh hell no and never told cardi about it like i guess just kind of played it off like oh yeah i gave that shit back to you and cardi was oh. like oh uh, okay or like something like that like so, sort of played it off and she was finally like confessing about it on the show and you would think that cardi i didn't i don't know what i was expecting cardi to do but cardi just like sat in like stunned silence and you could see like the you could see like the steam coming out of her ears even even though this was like years before yeah (laughs) i was like that's some sister shit that is just like you still mad about shit like yeah you're gonna throw that shit in her face later take her to prada and be like oh i would buy you a bag but remember you lied to me about that old louis um so another thing I was thinking with Cardi, which I was think so by now our Snoop episode is out, right? I yeah, hope you guys yeah. listen to it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Snoop says a lot of bad. He had, does a lot of bad looks. Like for oh yeah, as it, many good looks as he does, he does hella bad looks. He's he has said really homophobic things. Yeah, yeah. And then he's gone and supported same sex marriage. You know. Yeah. So I think like Snoop with is, with him, I'm more concerned about his misogyny. Yeah, that too. Yeah, he's hella misogynistic. Yeah. And then he goes and supports Hillary Clinton. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So sometimes we forget, like, or not forget, but, like, these are stars that are older. Is Cardi older than us? No, Cardi's young as fuck. Cardi's, like, 24. Ooh, She's, never like, 24, lie. 25. <laughs> okay, well, with Snoop, then. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's of a generation when, at that time, things weren't as woke as they are now. Yeah, sure. And he was from the hood so uh-huh. you know even less so yeah that's true so i think with him i feel like maybe there's a lot of learning that has been done throughout his life and that's why he changed i hope so you know like at least like that's something i would honestly like if i ever had an opportunity to talk to him yeah i would probably ask him like do you still feel about women that way or like why right. mm-hmm. you know like do you have you changed do you think you've learned more like you know they- i was thinking about that too a couple days ago, like when I was putting the finishing touches on that episode, like he has a he has a daughter now. Like, I, yeah. want, I wonder if that changed anything. And that's awful, too. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I hate when men need that to right. like, realize how yeah. fucked up they are. I know. I'm I'm a father of two daughters. I know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a brother to a sister. Like, fuck, fuck you. You're, you're a fucking human on this goddamn earth. Yeah. <laughs> and women are everywhere. So you have no fucking excuse but but you're right there's like i think with anyone there's 
aging and learning to be done on a variety of subjects, whether it's something that's like, you know, uh, something that you mature about or something that you learn. Who was it that was saying like, there's jokes I don't do anymore because they're because I oh, Jesus and Marrow. Yeah, had, had that fantastic statement. There were like, there are things that we don't say even from like a year or two ago, because now we've gone out, we've met those people or those yeah. kinds of people. And we just know like, why it's not would, okay yeah. yeah why would you and with comedy i think it's even harder too because they push the button so much yeah exactly like when we were talking about the the fuck's up kevin hart the kevin hart thing mm-hmm. i was thinking like comedians joke about crazy shit sometimes like yeah rape and you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and murder and like debt like remember uh i don't remember whose um roast it was but somebody clowned on pete davidson's dad who for oh. di- like who died in yeah. 9-11 yeah and pete davidson like laughed about it he was like dude my dad would have laughed that's what comedy's about pete yeah. davidson's also like kind of weird <laughs> but um i remember years ago maybe like 10 maybe not maybe not 10 no maybe 10 years ago daniel tosh mm-hmm. did a set where he made fun of like some something about like a girl getting raped and he like yeah. made a joke about rape yeah and i was thinking like if that were to happen now it would be way crazy on the internet where when it happened back then he got a little bit of heat and he did apologize mm-hmm. but i just think like it's changed so much now with like social media the way that yeah. people get outraged but there's there's a comedian carmen esposito that has a whole special i think it's called rape jokes and <laughs> she but she's it's like she's super woke she's really smart like you can still do it and she's funny that's yeah that's my point you can do it but it has to be funny and it has to come from a place where it's like you understand the gravity of what you're saying right and and you're using it to say something like like yeah you can't just be like oh rape yeah (laughs) death yeah (laughs) yeah exactly okay yeah (laughs) yeah it's tough it's really tough yeah i feel for cardi too because maybe she doesn't know what to do i know i just she's done honestly cardi b's a little dumb guys yeah for sure i'm sure but i'm sure she's smart in ways that we're not about fuck yeah fucking surviving about like whatever but she's got a lot to learn about being a public persona about i don't know just being adapting to a different world so i i hope she can do that i'm rooting for her i'm still rooting for her so i just i hope that she takes this opportunity to i don't know help help herself and help somebody else and maybe when she made those statements her words didn't have as much weight as they do now because she wasn't nearly as famous yeah yeah but now that she is like we said hopefully Mm -hmm. hopefully she really apologizes and does some good stay tuned Stay tuned. This is a developing story. I wish if, if we had a news station, I would be like our dogs in like a, in like a, a with that sound, just barking and shit. Did you ever feel as if you've been left out? Well, that's when it really hurts. When no one understands that you'd do a good job if you had a chance, that you'd make good. You feel pretty low when you've been left out. All right, Steph. Yeah, I, buddy. I have one. I have one. Why did I make that? Why was my <laughs> voice like that? Because <laughs> we're so stressed out about Cardi. Yeah. It's hard because we love her, right? Yeah, so, exactly. You know, like, it's like, fuck. Okay. This was actually going to be my, my one for the twofer. But little did I know, this dude has so many scandals. 
Okay, this is going to be about David Letterman. Oh. All right. This is this is a crazy story. I'm going to just okay. tell you guys that from, from the jump. Okay. Yeah. I love David Letterman. Maybe not. Maybe not after this, May. I mean, he's a, he's a dick. I'll get into it, but all right. But yeah, you can love David Letterman. That's why I, most of the time I liked him because he's a dick. Yeah. yeah okay. Because like I remember like uh, Paris Hilton on, he'll be a dick to her. Like he <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. Like he don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this story has a lot more scandals than you would think, and Dave is a super interesting person. I got most of this from his Wikipedia from a YouTube documentary called The Truth About David Letterman and from the 1996 HBO movie based on a book called The Late Shift by Bill Carter, who I think you reference in the Conan episode because he also wrote The War for Late Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, The Late Shift movie is on HBO Go right now, and I'd say you guys should watch it if you're bored because it's really interesting to see all that behind the scenes like network political drama. Yeah, that is cool. It's really interesting. Plus, Kathy Bates is in it, playing kind of a villain, and she's really great in it. She won, like, a shit ton of awards for this role. All right. David was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, on April 12th, 1947. He was the middle child, and his parents were both children of coal miners. Oh, shit. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) It seems to me like he had a relatively normal upbringing. They were Lutherans who went to church every Sunday, so the family was pretty serious about that, particularly his mom. His dad was the heart of the family, and Dave describes him as the life of any party. His dad was kind of outgoing, whereas his mom was more low-key. So so he had um, a kind of a mix of the two personalities growing up. That's cool. That's really cool. You need that balance. Otherwise, you're you're either like fucking annoying as fuck or you're a nothing <laughs> you're like fucking shy and yeah can't do shit yeah so the dad was a florist and the flower shop didn't exactly do well so they were kind of poor uh when david was five his dad had a heart attack at age 36 and he almost died oh no 36 yeah so young yes so that like he was the heart of the family so it really scarred everyone and i think that after that everything changed like that people were kind of like his him and his sisters and his mom were like always on edge and like yeah it really fucked with them i bet their dad was fucking everything to them so shortly after this david starting started acting out he and his friends once went into a treehouse with mirrors trying to aim them so that the sun would blind the drivers in a nearby street and they almost caused some accidents yeah. yeah. One time when I was little, we were egging cars, me and my cousin Jenny, in the Palisades, okay? Yeah. We were, like, egging cars that were passing by on, like, this fuck. We're stupid. Like, right in front of the house my tia worked at. Yeah. <laughs> and um, somebody fucking stopped and, like. No. Yeah, reversed. And me, we all fucking ran. And my tia Sonia had to go out there. And she had to talk to the guy. And he was like, they're going to fucking kill someone. And we're uh- like. <laughs> oh shit we were so little we were like 11 you know stupid (laughs) one time when i was like real real little like i don't know maybe like six or seven i was playing we lived in like the hood and i was playing with like a a a hose Mm -hmm. and it was like i was like i probably had my bathing suit on or something like i was like playing with the hose and i was like putting it into the street and stuff and someone drove by and I got his car wet, I guess, he says. I'm, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. And, and allegedly. Uh, allegedly. 
and he like like pulls over gets out and then he's like you got my fucking car wet i just got a car wash or something and then like my dad who was with me outside stood up and my dad is like oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's a very tall, tall like he's huge and like he was you know i was little so he was like young back then i suppose he was kind yeah. of like imposing <laughs> and like i all i remember him is like walking towards the dude and the dude being like oh, just, just be more careful and like got in the car like drove away <laughs> dude if some little kids egg my car honestly i would be so amused i would really? be like yeah I mean, also, I'm not one of those people that, like, cares so much about cars. Like, I think that's kind of dumb. But I, I would uh, be, I would laugh. I'd be like, you, you they're laugh having a good time. Yeah. I'd be like, come on, guys. No, I'd be annoyed, but I wouldn't, yeah. like, say anything. I'd just be like, well, at least they're playing outside. <laughs> <laughs> Get that vitamin D, baby. <laughs> okay. So, from a super young age, he started idolizing Johnny Carson. Carson was a major figure for a lot of people around that time because Johnny was almost constantly a presence on TV. He was on a bunch of variety shows and game shows. And when David's parents caught him watching TV, they'd force him to go outside and do what he calls something real. And and his mother called television, quote, the work of Satan. Oh, wow. Remember, she's like mad religious. So she was like, fuck that. Right. The only exception to her rule was on Sunday nights when the whole family would watch Ed Sullivan. So already we see these two figures that will be very important to who he later becomes, Ed Sullivan and Johnny Carson. Right. Dave was a and d student, which caused a lot of friction with his parents, especially because his sisters were, like, pretty great in school. They were, like, high achievers. Mm-hmm. That must fucking suck. That, yeah, <laughs> that probably totally fucking sucks. Not for me, though, because I got A's. A. For my brother, plus, though. plus, plus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's different because you're the youngest, so it's not even like you're, you're not yeah, comparing so they them. I always thought I was like a brown noser. Then I, something good. That's the same voice we use for like rape. Holocaust. That's, that's exactly how Daniel Tosh would tell a joke about rape. Yeah. Daniel Tosh seems like such a dumble. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm. He had good hair plugs, though. <laughs> he had hair plugs? Hell yeah. Uh, good. Cat- nip that shit in the bud, guys. Yep. Shout out Joe McCain. We're, look- we're looking at you, Prince William. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's too late for you, baby. Just shave that shit off. Oh, he did, though, huh? I think he did, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good job. In high school... Dave says he realized he had to make a decision about what type of person he wanted to be. Like, he wasn't a jock or popular, one of the kids that made good grades. And he said that's when he realized he's he was good at, like, public speaking and English. And he was funny. So he decided he's going to be the, the funny guy. Okay. He says he developed a serious drinking problem at a young age that started at about age 13. Oh, shit. Yeah. He wanted to go to Indiana University, but his grades were bad. So he ended up going to Ball State, where his drinking sort of snowballed. Yeah. He and his friends had a competition basically centered around who could get fucked up the earliest every single day. <laughs> I was going to say, college is where my drinking snowballs also. <laughs> For everybody, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, but if you have a problem yeah, previously, that's, that's yeah. scary. So he says he was drunk about 80% of the time for oh, fuck. for over a decade after this. 
Oh, no. Like, he said he would go out with people and they'd be like, um, you know, they would be drinking. And then at one point they'd be done. They'd say, oh, no, thanks. Or, or like, this is my last drink. And he'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you stop? Yeah, exactly. Which I feel like, how do you not know you have a problem at that point? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. That's like the definition. Yeah. So he became the DJ on Ball State's radio station where he made $1.25 an hour. Hmm. But the administration quickly realized that he was super problematic because of his frequent on-air antics. They ended up having to fire his ass because when he would play classical music, he'd provide his own commentary under it that was apparently disrespectful to the music. Uh Oh. (laughs) In college, he met Michelle Cook, who was a music major, and he was all about her right away. Hell yeah. They ended up getting married while they were still in school. And Ooh. and Michelle also worked as a waitress on the side, and he got a job at a real radio station first, and then later at the local Indianapolis ABC TV station. He graduated in 1969 and registered for the Vietnam draft, but didn't end up getting drafted because his lottery number was like number 399 out of 400. So it was very unlikely that he was going to get drafted, drafted, and he just missed going the over draft? there. Yeah. Wow. So... He's pretty lucky, but he says he didn't realize how lucky he was at first until one of his ex-classmates died over there. And then he says that he became a washing guilt, survivor's guilt, and the guilt really consumed him for a long time. I bet. And that's a volatile situation because he's got this drinking problem and he's yeah. got like, you know, he's kind of like he's got like these dickish tendencies. And Yeah. Just... Maybe it was good he didn't go, actually. Oh, yeah. It right. might have like just... Ugh. It's way worse for him. That's not the type of person that I think would do well. To, yeah. yeah. Especially, it was Vietnam, right? Yeah. Ugh. Meanwhile, he's still working at the TV station, and he says that because his job involved being a correspondent on the news very early in the morning, it kind of forced him to have to quit that terrible drinking game, which was good, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he still didn't have a problem with, with alcohol because he remained a self-described horrible alcoholic until 1981 when he was about 34. Oh, wow. Yeah. His job at the TV station was cool because he would sometimes have to fill in for other correspondents. So he would get to do stuff like be a weatherman while the regular one was on vacation. And when he'd do the weather, he'd make up names of cities and counties and sometimes report on fake devastating weather phenomena in the area. (laughs) (laughs) That's I would love that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But his his biggest fear was becoming one of those TV anchors that are on the local news for like decades yeah so he left his that seems t- cool to me <laughs> that seems like the, the chillest job yeah he, he will do your makeup for you yeah. if, you, if you're on telemundo you get a thotty dress a different thotty dress every day probably got the best spanks money could buy hell yeah i'm, I'm with it me too airbrush legs somebody airbrushing your legs <laughs> telemundo's hiring a full-time leg airbrusher guys please inquire within <laughs> check on indeed <laughs> Uh, this podcast is brought to you by indeed (laughs) (laughs) okay but it's so he left the tv gig because of that reason he didn't want to be that guy and he went to work at a radio station again but it didn't work out because he was extremely bored and disinterested in current events and his job was like a radio current events host so he just he started uh pushing buttons by reporting news stories that he just made up Oh, okay. <laughs> there was one that was funny. He was like, the government of Guam had just purchased a local monument 
just to take it back to Guam and paint it green to match their national vegetable, the asparagus. (laughs) 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 But then, you know, these like (laughs) these Indiana people, they were fucking pressed and they started they started calling in to find out how they could protest the government of Guam and get their get their statue back. (laughs) (laughs) That is so ridiculous. In 1976, his father died after having a second heart attack at age 57. Oh, no. This devastated David. And how old is he now? He's uh, in his mid to late 20s. Okay, so he's still an alcoholic. Yeah. he's. I think he's 26. About a year later, he wants to shake things up a bit, so he decides to try his hand at comedy writing since he hated his radio job. I think he was kind of in a in the middle of an emotional crisis after his dad's death, so he was like, "I just I gotta make a change," you know. You like reevaluate everything when stuff like that happens. Yeah, exactly. So Michelle decides that they should move to LA so that David could pursue it, and he he didn't want to go. He was like, "No, no, no," and she was like, "We're fucking going." Yeah, and and then he was like, "Okay," but he says that on the inside, he absolutely knew he was gonna fail. Shout out to Michelle. You could be the first guest on our show, Flip or Flop. Seriously. <laughs> and so and so they moved out here. And for months, he had nothing. No job, no prospects, nothing. So he, he was failing. And it was this self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So he started doing stand-up at the comedy store, which was kind of bad for his drinking. Because he started drinking more heavily again. And this time, basically to get the, the courage to do a set. Right. Jay Leno caught David's act early on and thought it was great. And he told David, they kind of became friends. He was like, you're amazing. You got to keep working at this, whatever. No, I'm, I'm thinking, picturing snake emojis in my head. <laughs> Jay Leno. No, I think like they, Jay was like really cool to him in the okay. beginning. Okay. Then David caught Jay's act a few times. And he says that he became heavily influenced by Jay after that because he was doing more like for real, for real stand-up comedy, and Dave had never seen that before. Okay. He then got a job writing 15 jokes a week for 150 bucks for fellow comedian J.J. Walker. Mm. But Michelle was basically supporting them with her job as a department store buyer. Meanwhile, like every other comic at the time, David was working towards making an appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson because Johnny had the power to really make your career after a five-minute appearance on his show. In 1977, The Tonight Show producers told Dave that he wasn't ready. So he sort of felt like this was a serious blow to his career prospects and, of course, to his ego. Right. But then the next year, in 1978, they ended up calling him and asking him to appear. Wow. What a turnaround. I know. Dude, you just got to work. You you got to yeah. put in the work. A lot of people of think course. like things happen instantly. It doesn't. You really have of to put in the work not. to be who you are. Yeah. So his confidence starts increasing and he started getting ready for as he started getting ready for that appearance. So this is his big break. But unfortunately, at the same time, his relationship with Michelle is falling apart. He's staying out all night, drinking more. She never sees him. She assumes probably correctly that he's going home with random girls all the time because he's not coming home. Right. And she's fucking supporting him. So she's over this shit. Yeah, she's fucking fed up. I'm over it. Just listening. to <laughs> And she goes to David and says, if this marriage is going to work, this needs to change. And he responds, I want a divorce. <gasps> oh, no. I know. Ugh. Okay. They'd been together for 11 years at the time, married for nine. And she supported his ass. Yeah. 
he wouldn't be in LA without her. He wouldn't no. be appearing at the Tonight Show without her. So she was. I'm sure she was his shoulder to cry on when his dad died. Yeah, for sure. David later says that they just got married too young. That's also true. Yeah. But more recently, he says that he was actually just like straight up an asshole all the Mm -hmm. time. So he now feels very guilty. And honestly, after researching Dave, who I knew relatively little about before, he does seem like a mega asshole. Okay. (laughs) He does show vulnerability from time to time, which I think is his most redeeming quality. But yeah, I also hate that. Why? I think that as a society we like like we hold on to and kind of like love seeing men vulnerable mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we don't love that in women oh yeah true so i i always hate that like i don't yeah, know yeah yeah i see that you're right and also people give men a pass like dave like when he's he can be a dick nine times out of ten and then he shows that vulnerability and people are like oh yeah like you know he's a good person that's also what happens in abusive relationships. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. It's like, true. Like the, I'm just going to say it in this perspective because like for me, it, like if I was dating a guy and mm-hmm. he would be a dick to me and then he did one nice thing, then you yeah. hold on to that one nice yeah, thing. Yeah, it's true. Don't, yeah. don't do that. Absolutely right. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> anyway, that same year in 1978, he began a relationship with fellow comic Meryl Marco. Oh, she says that she was crushing on him after seeing him performing at the club. And okay, was he cute? As, like, young? You know, m- no, but he had, uh, he definitely had, like, appeal. I, okay. I, I get why women were on because he's, like, funny and, right. I don't know. Oh, that asparagus thing was hilarious. <laughs> I would die if somebody did that. So, I, I, get, I get that people were attracted to him, but he wasn't, like, cute. Yeah, okay. He had like, but he had good style though. Like, like yeah, looking, he's dressed dope as fuck. <laughs> yeah, like looking back, I, maybe it wasn't cool back then, but now it'd be cool. Yeah. Okay, so she she found out Michelle. I mean, Meryl found out that they had the same agent, so she arranged a meeting. She shot her shot, and that was it. Nice. They quickly became a couple and a comedic team. Oh. She would write, and he would perform. He called her a creative genius on numerous occasions. Finally, he made his appearance on The Tonight Show, and he was so good that Johnny called him over to sit and have a chat with him after, which among comics was like the fucking, the holy grail. That meant Johnny endorsed you, and that meant that by literally the next morning, you were a star. After his third appearance on the show, Johnny hit him up and asked him if he was down to guest host sometime. He, of course, said yes, and after the first time he guest hosted, he said he started seeing the press calling him the next Johnny Carson, and he was shook. Oh. For the next several years, he ended up guest hosting over 20 times to an audience of around 16 million a night, making $1,000 for each episode. That's awesome. He eventually signed a two year contract with NBC for a ton of money to do the show David Letterman Live at 10 a.m. We might have talked about this on the Conan episode, but the show didn't do well at first. It was a, it was a weird show, especially for the morning, because he was doing like that asparagus joke, like shit like that. Right. People are like, what's the fucking traffic, my dude? Yeah, exactly. It started to kind of find its audience, though, just as NBC decided to cancel it at the end of 1980. Oh, no. But at the next Emmys, it won the award for Best Daytime Talk Show. And his his girlfriend, Meryl, won an Emmy for writing on the show. Oh, that's awesome. Despite the Emmy wins, Meryl says that David was really depressed because he thought he blew his chance at TV. Oh, he he seems very 
insecure about his comedy. Right. Like he, um, they, there's, everybody said that when he was doing his shows, he would, after the show, he would immediately watch the tape and then he would like pinpoint, I did bad here. I stumbled on this word. That wasn't like, he's just very, he doesn't believe in himself. I think he's more like, he's more about surrounding himself with like people that he trusts, people that he thinks are really smart and really funny. And then he judges himself a lot. Well, and he got bad grades and his siblings all got good grades, yeah, right? Yeah. And like his mom thought TV was Satan Stupid. or some shit. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. So I'm a psychiatrist. <laughs> you sure are. You you're very insightful to Call me shit. doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Can you prescribe me some Xanax? <laughs> <laughs> You've been watching Real Housewives too much. <laughs> you want Xanax? Xanax smoothie. <laughs> so he didn't do a whole lot for a couple years after that, but NBC still had him on contract. So he was like getting paid, but for just like kind of being on standby, trying like they were trying to figure out, okay, what are we gonna do with you, sort of thing. Cool. Um, so NBC, a couple years after the daytime show, NBC offered him a late night show in 1982, late night with David Letterman immediately following the tonight show at 12:30 a.m. and he and Merrill moved to New York to do the show. This is also around the time he stopped drinking, so that's good. Yeah. Good because this is about to be stressful as fuck, you know. Yeah, now so. you got a real ass job. <laughs> yeah. Johnny who in his contract with NBC had the final say over the show that was on immediately after his, happily endorsed him and co-produced the show. Oh. Yeah, super. That's cool. gotta feel amazing. Yeah, that's your idol since yeah. you're a little boy. <laughs> yeah. Late night was completely different from the Tonight Show in the same way that we talked about during the Conan and Jay Leno incident. David's comedy was more for the young at the time baby boomers who didn't identify with Johnny Carson anymore, and the show was an instant hit with that crowd. He did have some critics though, especially because he was kind of dickish and mocking to his guests. Uh-huh. He would he would purposely ridicule people and try to embarrass them. I like that though. Yeah. Like I like that on his show. But I guess like that's who he like I'm his audience maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz everybody I, like every time there's a celebrity they're like, "Oh, like you yeah. know how Jimmy Fallon is." He's like, "Oh." oh that's you're the most amazing. annoying part. You guys know how to breathe? That's amazing. Like <laughs> and it's like, "Fuck, they're just people. Talk yeah. shit to them." Yeah, for sure. But I think that especially back then, maybe Dave was taking things too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oprah famously had a 16-year feud with him after appearing oh, yeah, on his yeah, show yeah. in 1989. And Cher, right? And Cher, yeah. <laughs> I think Cher, Cher called him an asshole, right? Yeah, she Cher, yeah. like, hated that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Cher will tell you. Like, Cher, like, I think told him to his face several she times. She did. There's yeah. a video of it. Yeah, yeah. On YouTube. So Oprah was mad because she said that he went out of his way to make her feel uncomfortable. And she oh. said that she never wanted to have that feeling again. So she was just like, no, fuck that. Oh, okay. Well, that's just rude at one yeah. point then. Yeah. Meanwhile, and I think like li- like by the time by like the by the time he has a show on CBS, I think that he kind of grew out of that. I think that he did try to like take people down a peg, but it wasn't like like vicious. It wasn't like it was in the 80s. Right. Meanwhile, Meryl is the head writer on late on late night. Wow. And they're living together and shit and the show has been a success for a few years. But it started to take a toll on their relationship because they were basically together 24-7. 
So Meryl stepped down as head writer to take on a role as a producer and things got better in their relationship. But since she had to make this career sacrifice, she figured she should get more of a commitment from David. But David didn't want to get married and he became really cold and distant. So that fucking sucked. Yeah. See, he's an asshole. Mm -hmm. So in 1987, she quit the show altogether and and she moved back to L.A. But 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 they were still together. They were still a couple. Yeah. And they were doing the bi-coastal thing for a while, but they ultimately broke up in 1988. Just like Don and Megan. Yep. Meryl says that their breakup, people were loving that Don Draper picture. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I mean, I was like, damn, <laughs> we haven't gotten that many likes since fucking Chris Farley. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Meryl says that their breakup was very bitter, horrible, and sad, and that they never spoke again. Oh, no. Well, because they work together. They're so entangled. Yeah. That's and, tough. And also, David ultimately took responsibility for how their relationship ended, but he never stopped saying that the show wouldn't have been a success without her and that a lot of the things that his show was known for both, that all of his shows really were known for both before and after Meryl were all her ideas. Like, he does uh, stupid animal tricks, stupid human tricks. Yeah. I think maybe even the top 10. Wow. I, I think these were, it was all Meryl. Like, everything that you, that you think of when you think, david letterman show that's all her wow so it was fucking shitty yeah that's really shitty it's fucking shitty that she had to be like okay i won't be the head writer you know to try to alleviate the tension right yeah it's just uh it sucks and even that didn't work anyways yeah then david went public with his girlfriend regina lasco who he'd apparently been dating since at least 1986 while he was still living with meryl oh around the time that she was saying like i'm doing all this shit for you i'm gonna need more commitment yeah like let's start a family let's whatever yeah yeah let's get married girl let's just get married (laughs) i just want to get get married oh that song's a bop (laughs) yep it is i heard that song at like uh i want to say like at best buy and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) if they play that shit at best buy i'm going to best buy that's see that's how stores are going to survive the amazon era like they got to be playing bops it has to be an experience when you You go in you got to have ambiance fucking instagrammable little fucking areas and shit that's true see we could market this shit man we we have so many good ideas we so do yeah (laughs) we need to be consultants yeah we we do for for what for (laughs) john alfio and fucking And the same at 720. <laughs> Who's the fucking fire festival guy? Get me that guy's phone number. I got some ideas for him. I got like three. Hey, uh, what's the name of the card? The Nexus card or whatever? Oh, yeah, that shit. Yeah. Apple's doing that shit now. <laughs> <laughs> Magnesis. That's amazing. All right, so I guess we know now why Dave wouldn't commit to Meryl because he had a side chick. Yeah. I, it seems like and how you're saying like oh then he just went cold he just wanted her to break up with him yep like he didn't want to do it himself till as old as time yeah yep. <laughs> but david letterman we got your ass oh, all yeah. figured out <laughs> we read you boo we got you yeah we see right through your curly haired <laughs> ass regina had been on staff at late night at first oh but when they went public, she started working at Saturday Night Live. Okay. And the only reason they ever even went public was because they got into a car accident together and they both needed, like, but they had minor injuries, so they needed treatment. 
so they went to like the hospital or something so there was like a police report or whatever right and they were on the way home from uh his niece's baptism so the press started doing some digging and yeah, they were like so. yeah so it came out at the same time since may of 1988 dave was dealing with a stalker named margaret mary ray yes this is the only drama i really know with david letterman oh, okay there's more though okay <laughs> margaret had schizophrenia it was a big time problem in her family because two of her brothers had it and they both committed suicide within four years of each other in the 70s wow her father also had it and he was an alcoholic on top of that Ooh. anyway in may of 1988 margaret stole david's porsche and was later arrested with her three-year-old son in the car. Oh, no. For years after this, her behavior would escalate. She was arrested eight times for trespassing on David's properties. Once she left him some cookies and an empty bottle of Jack Daniels in his foyer. And she she thought they were together, right? I think, like, she, she thought that they were, like, made for each other. Oh, okay. Like, I not that they that... were together. She wasn't like, oh, that's my husband or anything. It wasn't oh, like that. Oh, okay. And he would like, talk about it on the show, remember? Yeah, okay. I'm, Which I'm also they Okay, sorry. Okay. Another time they found her sleeping on his tennis court. Oh no. Margaret was often ridiculed in the press, which I think is super disgusting. It is disgusting. This was when like early 90s, late 80s? Yeah, it started in the late 80s and it went on for years. Yeah, it did cuz I remember him talking about it. Yeah, it was a big deal. But I think yeah. like if it were to happen now people wouldn't talk about it the way they did back then. Of course not. And so sometimes, like you said, even Dave himself would talk about her, although he would never use her name. Right. But he would like almost like make jokes, right? Yeah. Uh, one time he joked that because his show was going to start coming on an hour earlier, that the woman who kept breaking into his house would probably start showing up an hour earlier, too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say that I don't mind Dave joking about it so much because I think that it's he realizes how fucking serious and dangerous this is. So I think that's sort of just like a coping mechanism. And like, it's kind of cool that he understands that she's sick, you know, like yeah. she's not like right. You know. But I think that him making jokes like that doesn't that vindicate her behavior. Oh, you think so? I thought that that's why she continued doing it for so long. Oh. But I don't know. I honestly, yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. not a doctor. <laughs> I, t- I really don't know. We don't know what's going on inside the mind of a person who's so unstable and unwell, you know? Yeah, totally. But I think that's why he went out of his way not to use her name. So, Right. Anyway, he told our enemy, Barbara Walters. <laughs> our <laughs> that, favorite bitch. <laughs> that he, he felt compassion for her and often declined to press charges after her various incidents. Aw. That's cool. Yeah. Margaret later stalked an astronaut named Story Musgrave. Amazing name, by the way. <gasps> what? It's like almost a combo of two of our favorite people. Stormy, Stormy Daniels, Daniels and Casey, Casey Musgrave. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, oh, come on, you're an astronaut and your name is Story Musgrave? That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Okay. Anyway, so she, Margaret ended up serving 34 months relate, for charges related to stalking Dave in various like mental hospitals and stuff. Okay. Um, in October of 1998, Margaret killed herself by kneeling in front of an oncoming train in Colorado and died. Oh my god. Oh, that that doesn't make any sense what I just say. What I just said, she killed herself, blah 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 and died. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know, she kneeled in front of a train and died. I got it, me. Yeah, okay. All right. She was 46. Oh wow. David publicly expressed his sympathy following her death. Oh. Huh. 
that's a shitty situation. Situation, yeah, yeah, the whole thing, yeah. So I wonder what happened to her kids because I think she had she had several. She had like four. That's also five. interesting that she had so many children. N- knowing that this ran she in her family issues, maybe mm-hmm. she was abused or something. Yeah. Okay. So as we know, David thought that he was in line to inherit the Tonight Show from Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. that's what johnny wanted that's what david wanted that's how nbc was kind of selling it but then by 1990 91 johnny carson was sort of low-key getting pushed out by nbc after nearly 30 years on the air hosting the tonight show right his, his ratings had kind of slipped a little especially after arsenio came on the air and sh- shook things up how come arsenio doesn't have a show i don't know i think about that all the time because people love the arsenio Hall yeah show. like why did he stop that yeah there must be something to that story that we don't know. We should look it up. Yep. Okay, so Arsenio shook things up because he took over a huge chunk of that young audience and people of color. But that doesn't mean that Carson wasn't still getting monster ratings. It was just a little less than before. But N- NBC started getting an- antsy about this, and they knew they'd have to start planning Johnny's replacement sooner or later. Dave's show was doing great at 12.30, but like I said, his comedy is a little weird and his personality is a bit abrasive. David's entire life was working towards the goal of eventually hosting The Tonight Show. Right. It might have been the only thing that ever really mattered to him up until this point. He had known that he'd have to make some changes to his act to appeal to the 11.30 audience and he was more, and he was more than willing to make those changes. He told, and he told NBC that. Yeah. But meanwhile, Jay Leno, who'd been Johnny's permanent guest host on The Tonight Show for a few years, started looking good to the NBC execs. Jay's comedy was a little more broad, and most importantly, he was someone who they felt that they could control. David uh, David wasn't he someone... He does seem like a suit. Jay Leno? Yeah, exactly. Jay Leno doesn't seem like a comedian to me, more so like like a suit like yeah exactly so yeah. jay like he would just do whatever the network says all right you got yeah. it you got it man yeah. like he's yeah. definitely a yes an, man a yes man he knows that he's an employee whereas right. dave is sort of like i'm a creative i'm doing the show i'm yeah. calling the shots they want more control and stuff and yes yeah and and another thing dave owned the rights to late night Ooh. I'm surprised they let him do that. Anyway. Me too. And a he, different time. <laughs> and he probably wouldn't sign the Tonight Show deal without retaining the rights to it, whereas Jay was more than willing to let NBC retain full rights to the show. Right. So NBC, thinking they don't have to worry about Dave ever leaving that, the network because he'd been on for like 10 years at that point. And he was doing great with his audience of young weirdos at 1230. <laughs> That's my audience, too. That's our audience, too. <laughs> young weirdos. Young yep. weirdos. <laughs> young weirdo, weirdos. On Thursdays. <laughs> so NBC secretly signed Jake Leno to a contract saying that he'll take over The Tonight Show when Johnny retires. NBC needs the snake emoji all over their shit. Yup. It needs to be a snake, snake instead of a peacock. Yeah. We should redesign That's that true, shit. Though. We should do that. Damn, we got so many ideas today, man. We're like, we're like fucking Einstein over here. We should do a. We should. There should be a Shark Tank show where it's just like ideas. Like, yeah. I've got a product, but I got this idea. Yeah, I need someone to help me implicate it. Yeah. Like, you know, someone with actual talent. <laughs> Implement. <laughs> <laughs> oh god 
episode is called Implicated. <laughs> Implicated. Implicated. The story of and David Letterman. I said Einstein because I couldn't think of not one fucking inventor. I was like, what? Who invented peanut butter? Who? George Washington Carver. God damn it, man. There you go. <laughs> But everyone goes with Edison. I know. I couldn't think of it, man. I couldn't (laughs) think of it. All right. So now NBC has this secret contract in place and no one knows about it except the president of NBC and Jay Leno. Fuck them. And Dave, Johnny, and America keep thinking that if and when Johnny wants to go, that the job will obviously go to Dave. But also no one thinks that Johnny's going to retire anytime soon. Yeah, he's fucking Johnny Carson. Yeah, exactly. Like, he'll go when he's fucking dead, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I yeah. would think of it. Yeah. And everyone's cool with that. Dave is like, oh, fuck. It's, yeah, It's of like course. Joan Rivers. Like, yeah, exactly. Just keep her doing that shit, you know, literally, like, forever. Rock, like, Rock until the wheels fall off. Exactly. Okay, in the movie and in the book, The Late Shift, Kathy Bates' character, Helen Kushnick, is Jay's agent. A little time passes, and when she thinks that it's, she's like fucking over it. She's like, "It's time, Jay. It's your fucking time." Yeah. And also because part of the deal that part of the contract was that she would be an executive producer of the Tonight Show, so she had some like checks coming in as soon as uh, Jay took over. Oh wow! So she's like, "Jay, it's time to make like it's time to make your move." So she plans a story in the media saying that the network had been whispering that it's time for Johnny to move aside. Ooh. I want to plant a story in the media. <laughs> right? A blind item. Yeah. So the network, they sort of, it puts them in a rough spot because they have to issue a denial, right? So they they do issue a sort of soft denial, but they don't they can't exactly. deny it really because it's true. Right. And also they can't scream from the rooftops that they'd move heaven and earth to keep Johnny and make him stay for a few more years because really they kind of do want him to start winding things down. Yeah. So they are kind of like, oh, no, of course not. But like it was kind of, you know, whatever. So Johnny is kind of like, fuck it. And in a surprise move, he announces his upcoming retirement following his 30th season. He was probably so fucking tired of all the bullshit. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm an icon. Like, I don't, I don't have to. Do- he's like, I'm doing you a favor. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so Dave, of course, he's sad that his hero is retiring, but he's also like, fuck yeah, my time has come. Yeah, and he's pumped, and Johnny is pumped for him. But NBC announces, of course, that Jay has been given the show. So this infuriates David, who also feels like he's too old for the late night twelve thirty time slot now. Yeah. Because now he's looking at guys like Arsenio. Yeah. And, and now he's he, in his 40s, right? Yeah. And he's we're like, 10 years you know, deep. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Ugh. okay. Anyway, but he's still under contract with NBC for a while. And his contract also stipulates that he can't entertain other offers from other networks for at least 18 months without NBC being able to make an offer first. Mm-hmm. No contest. Right. So he has to wait for his contract to go out. And then he's got to wait 18 months if NBC doesn't make him an offer. So, so he's looking at like basically at least a, two years and shit yeah exactly which i think is similar to conan right yeah he had to, that's why he had to go on tour and shit You're just like in fucking limbo yeah and they also have the right to match any offer that he does receive after that but he doesn't have to accept it right if they match it he has to accept it what yeah it's crazy so like let's say i don't know fox could offer him yeah uh, whatever 10 million dollars 
and he and NBC could be like, okay, cool, we'll give you ten million dollars, and then that would be it. That would be the end of it. What? That yeah. seems hella illegal. It was fucking shady, and he had a. He's like and, trapped. Yeah, he's trapped. He's completely trapped, and he had a clause in his contract. It's funny. He had a clause in his contract that he had to get the Tonight Show, but it was the penalty if they didn't give it to him was a million dollars. So, so they just M- gave him a so, million dollars, right? So NBC was gonna be like, okay. Like, sure. Here you go. Wow. All right. Um, and the network doesn't want to lose him because they know that he'll be stiff competition anywhere he goes. Right. So in their opinion, they're like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to throw some money at you. We're going to give you that $1 million penalty. Like, whatever. We don't give a fuck. You're going to be here. You're NPC property. That's it. You got to bust the Johnny Depp on 21 Jump Street and just start doing bad. Yeah, fired. Remember, yes. he would like he said he would show up with uh, rubber bands on his tongue and shit. Yeah, and he would Ooh. just show up late and but see, just like th- he did with Meryl, just push her away <laughs> until <laughs> she breaks up it. with you. Just be cold until they break <laughs> up with you. Yep. Also, but he did start kind of talking shit about NBC on the air too. Good. Like uh, he would call out executives by name, and they would be like, "Oh." <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, a move. That's a sketchy <laughs> move because then another network's going to be hesitant to work with you because that's true. If they upset you, what are you going to start shouting them out? Yeah, but he did like he did it in a funny way. So like the only people that were kind of like gutted were the actual people that he was talking about. You know. Mm, okay. Also, the transition to Jay isn't going super well. Mm-hmm. He's doing okay in the ratings, but they had been predicting like a ratings explosion. Right. So they're really not happy with Jay. So they try to throw a little money at Dave and he doesn't bite. Basically, Dave says that it's the Tonight Show or nothing. Good. So they try to throw some bullshit at him like, oh, we'll change the format of the show to a two hour block and you'll get the second block. What? No, see, this is like the same shit with Conan. Like, don't change the Tonight Show. Yeah. The Tonight Show is iconic. It's an institution. You can't be fucking with the show like that. Yeah. Like, we're you know, like, no, that's mm-hmm. not what we want. We want yeah. just the fucking show. Yeah. So he's like, of course, he's like, fuck that. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want that. Nobody wants that. But they have a problem because his contract expires like in April uh-huh. and, and they sold advertising through like June, July. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> OK, so Dave's agent negotiates a deal where if they let them entertain offers from other networks, he'll give them an interim contract extension until June. So NBC agrees, and Dave gets an offer from literally every network. Of course. Like, Fox is like, cool, we'll give you a show at 11, and then Arsenio will go on at 12. And um, ABC's like, hey. ABC's like, yeah, we'll give you a show. Oh, but they had, ABC had uh, Nightline at the time. Oh, okay. And that was, like, the biggest show in late night. Oh. Because, you know, old people like the fucking news, the 11 o'clock news. That's true, though. I used to date an old guy. We'd watch the 11 o'clock news. <laughs> That's so cute. Did you guys take Madame Musil together also? <laughs> no, we not watched. Uh, he was. I'm not. <laughs> Bitch, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so they had they had Nightline. So they offered him like they offered him like a really great contract. And like they were throwing like $20 million at him or something. Hell yeah. But, but he would go on like at midnight. He was like, mm, no. That's, That's his whole thing. He's too yeah. old to be that on that late. Yeah. Right. But then... CBS gives him exactly what he wants. A show at 11.30 that he'll own the rights to and $14 million a year to start. Damn! I think he was making like... Uh, Came through dripping. Drip. I, th- <laughs> I think he was making like $5, 6000000 at uh, 
at NBC. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, but what Dave really wants is the Tonight Show. Right. And he'll do it. He'll for do it no for, money, for no money. Yeah, yeah he'll, he'll, he'll do, do it for like 50 grand a year. He'll do it for the <laughs> same money that they were paying him already. Like he doesn't give a fuck. He wants a tonight show. Yeah. And remember that NBC has the right to match. And right. they really don't want they really really don't want him to be their competition. So, in a shock offer, they offer him 7 million and the tonight show at the end of Jay's contract in 18 months. Oh, if they choose not to renew Jay's contract at the end of that time. What is this shit? Yeah. They just want to fuck him. That's that's like a move to fuck him. Yeah. Because by then CBS is going to be like, nope. Right. Exactly. He's not going to be hot anymore. He's going to have been off the air for all this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just going to. No, he, he wouldn't have been off the air because he would have still been hosting his. Uh, oh, his late night. His late night show. Oh, all right. But Yeah. So they're basically like it seemed at the time like it was a good possibility because they weren't happy with Jay. Right. Which is crazy that they were thinking like within months they were like, we're going to get rid of him. You yeah. Know? You have Johnny Carson for 30 years. And then yeah. You <laughs> have Jay Leto for 18 months. Like that. Yeah. But let's say if Jay turned things around within that 18 month period, they could easily renew his contract and David would be stuck at 1230 indefinitely. Yeah. And also, so now they're still in the position where, like, they have to match. They could match CBS's uh, contract, right. which they're kind of like, okay, well, let's give him $14 million or whatever. But Dave's agent, you got to watch the movie because this guy is, like, really good. He ends up becoming the president of Disney later because he's, oh, like, he's, like, real. He's, like, an Ari Gold type. Wow. But anyway, he puts he gets CBS to put in a clause to where they have to give him a show that airs before midnight. Oh, wow. So NBC's like, well, obviously we can't do that because. Yeah. The Tonight Show airs at 1130. Right. So they're so, stuck somewhere. They're stuck. So. Yeah. So basically, Dave is like, bye. Go yeah. To CBS. Good. He jumps yeah. ship and he goes to CBS. Hell yeah. So at CBS. Dave is contracted to do The Late Show at 11.30 in direct competition with The Tonight Show. The Late Show premiered in August of 1993 and was immediately a hit. He was beating Jay Leno's show night in and night out for 90 weeks in a row. CBS's stock went up and everyone at Team Letterman was riding high. And NBC was fucking kicking themselves. Yeah, good. Fuck NBC. In 1995, Dave infamously hosted the oscars and his performance was so bad that it negatively affected the ratings of the late show oh no which coincidentally coincided with the infamous leno interview with hugh grant after the divine brown sex scandal oh no and after that leno pretty much beat him in the ratings until the end of time damn imagine doing so bad at your one-off side hustle that it affects your main gig forever (laughs) In January of 2000, a routine checkup revealed a blockage in an artery leading out of Dave's heart. Mm. He he was rushed into emergency surgery where he had a quintuple bypass. (gasps) What? That is way more than one, two, three, (laughs) four. (laughs) Remember that his dad died kind of young of a heart attack. So he was he was shook. Yeah. 
He hadn't called in sick to work not even once for 18 years, but following his surgery, he was out for six weeks. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was killing him. It was killing him. When he returned to work, he almost broke down in tears on air, thanking the healthcare team who saved his life, like, individually. Oh. It was really sweet. It was super out of character for David, because he's always been that sarcastic asshole, at least on screen and a little bit off screen for his whole Mm. career. And this was one of the first times that he showed real emotion to the audience. Wow. In November of 2003, Regina gave birth to his first and only child, Harry. David was 56 when Harry was born, about the same age his father was when he died. Oh, holy shit. In 2005, the police uncovered a plot to kidnap Harry and his nanny. (gasps) Oh my gosh. David's one-time house painter, Kelly Frank, was putting together a scheme to take the baby and ask for a $5 million ransom. Damn, that's not enough. This, I know. You think that's Dave doesn't have more than $5 million to throw at his baby? Yeah, what the hell? Baby and the nanny? How much is uh, that is for the baby? How much is that is for the nanny? Right? Kelly made a deal with the prosecutors and pled guilty to a lesser charge so that they dropped the kidnapping charges or like the conspiracy to kidnap charges. And he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Oh, damn. But he escaped in 2007. <gasps> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and when he was eventually captured, he was given an additional 10 years. He was eventually released in 2014, but was sent back in 2015 for violating his parole and was just recently released again at the end of 2018. Oh, shit. That's scary. Yeah. You guys know the rule that we have here at the Drama Club. If you escape from prison, you that's it. Oh, that's true. You're out. You're allowed out. Yeah. Run free, baby. You made it. <laughs> <laughs> in March of 2009, David and Regina got married when little Harry was five years old. Oh, and they've been together forever, ever. Yeah, they'd been together since he, like he was the, still with Meryl. With right? Meryl, yeah. Which so was like, in the 90s. The late 80s. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Then in October of 2009, something really unexpected happened. David is doing his show like normal when he says he'd like to tell a little story from a couple days prior. He says he got into his car to go to work at 6 a.m. and he saw a weird package on the seat. So he. So he looks through the package and says, there's a note that essentially says, I know you do terrible things and I can prove that you do terrible things. The audience laughs and laughs. I think that they don't really understand what he's saying and that it's serious and that he's being serious. He says that the note goes on to say that the person that's blackmailing him plans to write a screenplay about him and the terrible things he's done unless he pays him some cash money. So David calls his attorney and his attorney takes a meeting with the blackmailer who cons- who confirms he wants a large sum of, ca- sum of cash. So David and his attorney contact the cops who advise them to set up another meeting to find out if he's really serious. So they do. And the blackmailer says that he's now also planning on writing a book and makes it clear that he requires payment of two million dollars. Whoa. So they set up a third meeting to drop off the check. And the cops hook David up with a fake check, which is what's handed over to the blackmailer. And David almost immediately testifies in front of a grand jury so that the charges can be brought against this asshole walking around thinking he just finessed $2 million from David Letterman. So the grand jury, of course, agrees that this dude is probably blackmailing David, and they agree that charges need to be brought against him, and the cops go and arrest him later that day. Oh, wow. So the audience gives a big round of applause. 
Then David says, of course, the elephant in the room is, what was that creepy, terrible shit that I was doing that led me to be blackmailed? Right. And he then admits to having sex with women who worked on the show. Which very extremely weirdly gets a round of applause. Okay. That's a thing with on those late night shows because people are expecting a comedy show. When they do serious things like that, sometimes it doesn't go over. Right. I think it goes over their heads. Like they don't get. They should have like somebody talk to them before. They have those guys there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is like, like, hey, they're going to open with a serious thing, you know. But sometimes it's like, did you see the thing of Ellen Page on on Stephen Colbert recently? No. What happened? She kind of like got really serious for a second talking about the treatment of LGBT people. Like there's, you know, of course, we know that there's places where they're killed, even here in the United States. And she brought up like some people who um lgbt people who have gone through some terrible shit and it was like everybody was just uncomfortable and in the audience i mean um stephen colbert is a good person to have beside you when that's happening because he just like let her talk yeah and and then at the end he like just held her hand and was like yes oh that's good yeah it was really sweet do you remember after uh what's his face seinfeld after he said he blew up on stage michael 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 yeah and then he like videoed into jay leno yeah and and everybody was laughing laughing immediately because they just expect him to be funny yeah yeah all right yeah it's awkward yeah okay so he jokes dave jokes that of course he knew it would be embarrassing if this got out especially for the women then he says all he wants to do is protect himself his family his job and his friendships he then says he'll know he'll give no further comment on the topic like years later he said that he expected someone at cbs to be like okay we need to talk about you resigning or something but he said that day never came because they don't give a shit yeah they don't give a shit they care about their fucking ratings mm-hmm. so <laughs> we're still at that that night that weird night at the show then david then woody harrelson comes on and shits on dave a little bit he's like dude aren't you married haven't you been with your, he's like haven't you been with your wife for like 20 fucking years shout out woody harrelson you're a real one fun fact apparently woody harrelson loves stirring up drama dude <laughs> he needs to be a real housewife and today is like the anniversary of white men can't jump or some shit i it saw is? it on complex yeah woody else is kind of attractive like he he's is not, he's no, like he sexy is. yeah it's his swag yeah no he is it was he like, ugly, but yeah. Yeah, right. Woody was a good guest on that show because he's talking about like how he he lives in Hawaii and like he hangs out with Willie Willie Nelson all the time. And Dave's like, "What do you guys do together?" And he's like, "Oh, y- you know." <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about and he talks about like he was meeting Obama, who was on the trail around that time or something. Or I think at the time of the show, he had been president, but he said he met Obama when he was on the trail in Hawaii. And he said he met him when when Obama went to visit Willie Nelson. And he was like, were you just hanging out with Willie? And Woody's like, yeah, how did you know? He was like, because you smell like his bus, man. Like, because <laughs> it smells like <laughs> weed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then Kim Kardashian comes on with her old face and talks about going to Botswana and visiting a diamond mine. <laughs> <laughs> her old face. <laughs> I was just because Chris Humphreys was talking about his marriage, so they had pictures of the two of them. Yeah, and I was like, oh, there's that face before all that filler, baby. Yeah, when she, she could do a complete smile. 
<laughs> she looked good like some sometime after this, but sometime before now. Like yeah, she's that's a problem, dude. I like, hate you, that filler smile. It's all ugh, it looks all yeah. tight. Like they yeah. can barely move and ugh. shit. And then at the end, she throws in like it's at the very very end. Like she's talking about like she I guess she did a workout video. Mm-hmm. And like she's like, yeah, so uh, do this video, and I'm also doing. She like plugs some product, and then as he's about to go to, like that's the end of the show. So as he's about to say goodnight, she's like, oh yeah, and Chloe just lost thirty pounds. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You can watch it. It's on YouTube. I was like, what the fuck is that? Was that necessary? Oh my god, that's amazing. Anyway, so it turns out that the blackmailer was this dude, Joe Halderman who was a producer on the CBS show 48 Hours. Oh. He got six months in prison, probation, and community service after he pled guilty to felony grand larceny. Wow. The sexual relationship that Joe apparently had proof of was with Dave's longtime personal assistant and Joe's co-worker at 48 Hours, Stephanie Burkett. Joe and Stephanie had been boyfriend-girlfriend for a while, and they were living together when Joe found out about her ongoing relationship with Dave after reading her diary and her emails. And decided to get back at her and make a little cash at the same damn time. Her diary? Yeah. What the fuck? So David and Regina stayed together. And David says that it took and continues to take a lot of work to rebuild the trust in their relationship. I bet. Yeah. But also, you know what kind of man he is. They got together under the same circumstances. Oh, yeah. They cheat. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She was working there. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's just what totally, he does. Yeah, that's totally true. I don't know how, like, I mean, I applaud people who can have relationships like that, like mm-hmm. where you are okay with sharing or like being open like that. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then how do you trust, like, don't hide it then, right? Like, that's right. the thing. Like, how do you have trust there? Like, you have to yeah. just, like in House of Cards, remember, they would like talk about it. Yeah, exactly. So I think it has to be like that if you're going to have that kind of relationship, because otherwise then I'm going to question everything you say. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to trust when you say you're going fucking to the market or like. That's me. I feel like in theory I could do it, but it has to be like that. It has to be some house of card shit. Yeah. Like you got to like fucking tell me everything. Yeah. And also, I think like I could probably do it, but it can't be. I don't know if it could be like a multiple times type thing with the same person. No, because like, then you're just talking about multiple relationships yeah, yeah. at the same time. Right. No, I couldn't do it. And just so you know, Hoel, I know you don't listen to this podcast, <laughs> but I will fucking kill you. And then I will represent myself in jail and I will only get like four years and I'll be out in two. <laughs> uh, no, we'll have to cut this part out of the podcast because they're going to use this shit. Premeditation. They're going to have premeditation right here. <laughs> All right. In 2015, David retired from his show and he ultimately surpassed his mentor, Johnny Carson, as the longest serving host in TV history, late night host in TV history, after being in late night for 33 years. That's crazy. Dave can currently be seen sporting a long ass beard and hosting his Netflix show. My next guest needs no introduction with David Letterman. He does need he does have one of those like Doug Dynasty ass beards right now. (laughs) Yeah, he does. They're fucking huge. (laughs) And his show was recently renewed for a second season. Nice. And that is the weirdly dramatic life of David Letterman. Yeah. What a story, May. Yeah. I, I thought I was just going to talk about the changeover of the show and his sex scandal. Yeah. That was like not very big at all. Then I forgot. I forgot about the stalker. I wasn't even thinking about that. That's all and, I ever really remember about him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't remember this. I don't even think I knew about his sex scandal. By then, I, I wasn't watching Letterman anymore. Yeah, true. I didn't know about the kidnapping of his son. Oh, me either. That's super scary. Yeah. And wow. the, how the extortion went down. 48 hours. I used to watch that in college. Yeah. yeah. That's a good-ass show. That is a good-ass show. Well, guys, thanks for listening. That was this week's drama-filled episode. Yep. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Drama Club Pod on the website, dramaclubpod.com. On the hotline, 505-539-0556 at our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 27433, Los Angeles, California, 90027. And, and yeah, see you Monday. Or Bye. we'll see you. Bye. <laughs> However, whatever with your helmet. <laughs>